0: Welcome on in, 97.5, 12.80, The Zone. It is Friday, hallelujah, the Friday before Easter. Good Friday for all you Catholics and others who observe that. Good Friday it's a big day for me growing up, that's for sure. And then for a lot of you, uh, spring break is coming up next week, and the weather's supposed to be awesome. Yeah, things are looking up. Jazz at home tonight against the Chicago Bulls for sure. Expect them to get the win. All right, well, we want to talk a little college football. Utah is going to have new running backs. Whoever it is, is going to be the starter. We shall see. They've got two transfers, DJ Pledger and Chris Curry from uh, Oklahoma and LSU. And then Makai Bernard was on the team last year as a freshman. Obviously, Ty Jordan got the majority of the carries, and the other guys left. Three other guys transferred out. So how's it going to be for these guys? New faces at the running back position. And we had an opportunity to hear them in Zoom calls, and we'll let you hear from them first, starting with T.J. Pledger, then Chris Curry, and
1: then the lone holdover, Makai Bernard. Here they are in that order. Good morning, T.J. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing great. So, you probably had a lot of offers when you went into the portal. What what led you to choose Utah over the other schools?
2: Um, you know, really just the, the tradition Utah holds at the uh, running back position and um, just building a great relationship with uh, Coach McDonald. And uh, you just being able to, you know, look at the opportunity and understand what the position I'm walking into and, uh, you know, aiming to take advantage of that. Next question will
3: come from Steve Bartle at the Utah.
4: TJ, you had an incredible high school career in Southern California. I'm sure you've got a lot of friends and family uh, that are excited to, to have you closer to home. What's that like? What's that feeling like to, to be able uh, to have the opportunity to play in front of your friends and family now?
2: Man, that means everything, you know, winding down my college career, you know, being able to come back to this side of the uh, coast and and play in front of my family and, you know, new fans, you know, it means a lot to me. And uh, just being able to play guys, you know, for for a while, I haven't played a lot of people that I know because I've been in the Big 12, you know. But coming back to the West Coast and being able to play some familiar faces, I know it's going to be a lot of fun. Next question will come from Bill Riley with ESPN
3: 700.
5: TJ, now that you've been here for a minute and you've had a couple of weeks of practice, mm-hmm. how are you acclimating to Andy Ludwig's offensive system, and, and what do you make of the, the talent around you in this team?
2: Mm-hmm. Man, you know, I think we we got a great team. You know, co- being around these guys, being able to you know transition from winter workouts to spring and seeing some of these guys move around and play, you know, you know this is a fast, physical team, and uh, especially on the uh, on both sides of the ball, but up front, you know, on, on both, definitely up front on both sides, but um. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's been going good. You know, uh, the offense, I'm loving it. Um, you know, just, just trying to work on different things every day just so I can, you know, be my best self and, you know, be able to play fast and, you know, not have to think. So, everything's going good.
3: Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle.
2: Good morning, TJ. How are you? I'm good. How you doing? Doing great. Um,
1: just curious. Yeah, you know, uh, since you've joined the program now, are there any areas of, of your game that you're focusing on specifically or any areas of your game that the coaches have told you that you need to improve before the season starts?
2: Well, you know, me, uh, you know, looking back at last season, you know, I, I kind of want to evolve my game in, in every aspect, physicality, speed, you know, uh, explosive plays, broad running, everything. So, you know, I'm an open book right now and, you know, whatever the coaches, whatever the coaches, you know, want to work on with me, you know, I'm open to it and. Just continue to develop my game so I could play at the highest level possible. So I would say all around.
4: Morning, Chris, and and a, a warm welcome to Utah, obviously, with your transfer here. Um, you know, for you, uh, we, we haven't had the opportunity to hear from you, but ultimately what led to your what led to your decision to come to Utah? Uh,
6: to send out my my family praying about it. Uh I feel like it was the right decision to make.
3: Next question will come from Trevor Allen, okay. KSL sports
6: you uh
1: played played with uh joe burrow and uh you know ha- having talking to other lsu people they've they've said that in in that sugar bowl game he you know really preached to the coaches to to start you what what was it like playing for a guy like joe burrow
6: uh first and foremost joe joe burrow is an amazing guy um uh, a gr- great character this a great human being uh it's, it's an honor just to play with a – just to say to play with a Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, and for him to speak up for me, it, it just speaks value.
3: Next question will come from Cole Bagley with the Utah Daily Chronicle.
6: Obviously, you were part of the LSU
1: team that, that won the national championship. What what things did you learn from that? And what, what can you bring now to this program from, from that opportunity?
6: Uh, physicality, toughness, uh, the swagger. You know, we play with a lot of swagger, and I feel like we could bring that to uh, the University of Utah.
3: Next question will come from Bill O'Reilly with ESPN 700.
5: Good morning, Chris. Good morning. So you, you said it was a family decision and you prayed on it, but clearly there had to be some football related in there too. What was it you liked about the Utah football program and how much did you know about Utah before you before you made the decision to come here?
6: Uh, it's crazy. I really didn't know nothing from you Like nothing at all from Utah. Uh, just speaking with Coach McDonald, Coach Mack, uh, he really guided me, took me in like a father figure and just showed me the ropes. Uh, I think guys like Makai showing me the ropes too around the Utah. Both Kyle Whittingham and
1: Kyle McDonald have said that you have made huge strides since since joining the program. What has led to
3: that? Uh, just understanding the process. Uh, when I came in, uh, super young and uh, didn't know what I need to do yet because, you know, still young, not mature enough. And over the past two years, I've just, you know, used people to my advantage like Devin Brunfield, you know, TJ Green and them, uh, them helping me out because they've been in the program and just, you know, using them to, strides. And then to
1: follow up on that, uh, bringing in TJ Pledger and uh, Chris Curry, have you embraced the, the competition, especially with two guys coming in from other Power Five programs?
3: Oh, yeah, most definitely. They, you know, two good guys. Uh, I can learn a lot from them. They can learn a lot from me just from being here already. So, yeah, you know, wonderful. Next question will come from Josh Newman at the Salt Lake Tribune.
7: Hey, Makai, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, thanks. Um, look, you know, we see hundreds and hundreds of players hit the transfer portal at all times of year now, and, you know, that happened at Utah with TJ and Jordan and, and Devin. I guess I'm curious, maybe, you know, what what has compelled you to stay in, instead of looking for a different
3: opportunity, I guess? Um, you know, I picked this place for a reason. I wanted to get away from home. I wanted to do a lot of things. Uh, my main goal still is to get into the league and, we produce here. So, you know, it was just all that I took into consideration. Like, why, why would I leave, you know, take, so, you know, just, it was no reason for me to do any of that.
7: And, and just to follow that up, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the two transfers, but, you know, you've been in this program a long time and, you know, and working with coach Ludwig for a long time. Uh, how how much of a benefit can it be to, to be working with the same offensive coordinator for as long as you have at this point?
3: Well, I mean, so it's a huge benefit, you know, um, I'm already been in the program, like you said, and I understand what th- was asked of me. And you know, right now it's just I can help these these two guys, you know, understand the program and you know understand what we're looking for and help us be a better football team. Any more questions from Mackay? Um, we have one from Cole Bagley of Utah Daily Chronicle.
1: Yeah, Makai, I'm curious, are there any specific parts of your game that you're focusing on improving this off-season, or that you've been told by the coaches that you need to improve?
3: Uh, you know, I'm just focused on being more physical. Uh, you know, first, when I got here, smaller than everybody else and stuff like that. So I had to learn that, you know, it's college now. It's not high school. I can't just run around everybody. I got to actually run through somebody. So, you know, I've been doing that lately. And uh, I think that's the biggest thing I have to focus on. And that's what I'm doing now. Final question will come from Steve with Utah.
4: Makai, I'm curious with, with your game and just your athleticism and, and your experience through high school, I'm, I'm curious, have you kind of worked on your, your ability as, as a route runner and, and receiver as well as, you know, as, as a running back?
3: Uh, yeah, uh, you know, I practice every day. Uh, Coach Mack, he preached to us. We got to be able to run routes up the backfield. You know, we got to get another aspect to our game. So uh, every day I practice, we work routes. And I focused on it. Uh, You know, just it's something critical to our uh, success here at the U. So, you know, yeah. All
0: right, that's Utah running backs. See how that develops. Uh, a couple more weeks of spring ball. They're letting uh, fans in. I think there's like 6,500 get to go to the spring practice for Utah. you got to get your tickets. I'm sure you can go on the website and take advantage of that. You want to go see them uh, later on this month in a couple of weeks as they finish up spring ball, and then they'll reconvene for training camp uh, late July, early August, and we'll see who wins that job or who gets the majority of the carries. Probably the other guys will play a little bit, too. they got a kid coming in, Parks, as a freshman. We'll see where that's going to be when we get there. All right, coming up next, we're going to stay with football, stay with Utah football. Let's hear from defensive line coach and former NFL player Sioni Pujol. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
5: Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
0: Welcome on in. Thanks for joining us on this early Friday morning, April 2nd. Talking some college football. Defensive line coach Sioni Puhal met with the media and We're going to let you hear from him. He's with the University of Utah Utes and played there as a star and now is back coaching. They always have a good defensive line. Get the latest on the defensive line from Sione Pujol right here at 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
1: Good morning, Coach. Just wanted to know what the last two weeks have been like for, for your guys in, in spring ball, especially when you bring back most of your, your talent.
0: Yeah,
8: uh, it's been well so far. Uh, yeah, our main objective is to uh, sharpen up our guys' technique and fundamentals, be able to get them in the in the playbook, and and really just kind of establish the foundation for just sound football. And that's, uh, that goes back to technique, understanding our defense and, and the role that they play in there. So I think our guys have been grasping the objective. We've been doing our best as coaches to be able to implement the best way to teach them, how to practice it. And so the guys have been uh, on the right track. Obviously, there's always something to work on. But in terms of what we're facing and what pro- progress we're making towards it, the guys have been doing well.
5: Next, we'll go to Hans Olsen.
8: Coach, I'm curious to know what the logjam is like having, you know, seniors return, maybe not just at your position group, but across the board. What's it like managing maybe extra talent that might be a part of spring ball? Uh, in terms of managing, I mean, it just takes a lot of planning before to be able to make sure that everybody gets the necessary reps, but also at the same time, it's good because it builds competition. Uh, you've got uh, guys that have experience and then you have younger guys and, and, and everybody in between. So, Uh, you know, having a a bigger roster, you know, could be challenging, but if you could kind of we've been able to try to position it in a way where we can create competition versus competition. So if you got a lot of guys just going best on best, guys going best versus best in terms of being on the defensive line front. So uh, it provides a, a challenge, but we just manage it by pre-planning, make sure that everybody gets the reps that they need. But at the same time, we know that guys are competing with the, uh, against each other because they know that the guy right next to them is just as good uh, as they are. So everybody's just kind of pushing the envelope on on being the best that they can be.
4: Next up, Josh Newman,
7: Salt
5: Lake Tribune.
7: Hey, Coach. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Just to follow up on what you just said, you know, in terms of competition and depth and getting a better idea of what you have, just generally speaking, what are you looking to see from your group on Friday when you guys go into a scrimmage situation for the first time? Hey, you know, we've been going at it for a couple of weeks now, uh, just
8: teaching fundamentals and technique, going through individual drills. We'll go a couple of crossovers where we go against the offense. Um, So it's really just good to looking forward to see how they react to situational football. That's what we, uh, that, that, that's one of the main goals of, uh, you know, having these scrimmages is now we get to implement them into situational um, football. So it'll, it'll be exciting to see how they react to it, how they um, how they process what we've been teaching them and kind of put it into a real life situation, such as the scrimmage we'll have on Friday. So, really, really excited to see how they process the situation um, as Friday approaches.
4: We'll go back to Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com.
1: When you guys brought in Devin, Devin Confuci from BYU, um, he he was mainly out on the edge. But what is that that move? Has it been pretty natural moving him to tackle?
8: Yeah, I think, uh, I think when you have any Kofusi, it's a natural move wherever they go. You can, you can put them anywhere. And, uh, and so he's, 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 he's taking it pretty naturally, but I think he's been real intentional on getting better at the position of being a defensive tackle, moving from the outside in. Uh, just got a great work habit, a great attitude, and uh, for him, yeah, naturally, just because of his ability, he's, he's naturally flown into it, but I think intentionally he's been just trying to get better uh, with every meeting, with every single practice.
4: Next, we'll go to Sammy Mora from the Daily Utah Chronicle.
8: Morning, Coach. Um, Morning. How? What are you looking to see, development-wise, from the freshman class who did take reps last year in those five
1: games, jumping into this season where they're still freshmen?
8: I still continue to build on their fundamentals and technique at the end of the day, it's all about fundamentals and technique. And, and, and that essential skill is something that you just try to hone I mean, football, there's a, there's a vast of things that you can work on, but that's the basic building block. And so with those uh, freshmen that played last year, you know, I'm thinking about Tennessee, Putu Tao and, and Aliki Vimahe and, and just those new coming classes for them to continue to solidify their fundamentals and technique. Uh, we had kind of an abbreviated season uh, last year, which gave them a, a chance to be able to get their feet wet a little bit. But now going through the full cycle of having spring ball, now they're able to get the the sharpening uh, practices from a spring season that we're having right now. So continue to solidify their technique and also get a little bit more drenched in the, um, in the playbook and, and understanding of the whole philosophy and how we play defense here.
4: We'll go next to Steve Bartle, huezone.com, followed by Hans Olsen. Morning, Coach. Uh, just uh, just a quick question. With, with Samote Peppa recently returning from his mission, do you kind of have to take him a- and coach him at a different pace just as he gets back into the program since he's been on his mission the last two years compared to everybody else? just I guess just how do you handle a player that's recently returned from his mission?
8: Yeah, I mean, there's there's different elements of adaptation uh, for different type of players where they come from J.C. Uh, in this case, him being a missionary. So adapting him to physically, uh, you know, take the brunt of, of football conditioning-wise, there, there there are some things that you have to adjust. But these players adjust real well. He's done really well in terms of adjusting. Uh, Doug and his team in the weight room do their best to uh, acclimate him to the, the physical demands of football. Uh, I would take extra time to be able to, catch him up um, but he's catching on really well he's uh, and it really just starts with the player and their attitude and their their vigor and their uh, the, their tenacity towards learning the defense and he's he's coming with that type of mindset off of his mission come back and and kind of like Jaron Kump just kind of just taking the cusp of it and said hey I'm gonna take ownership of uh, his progression and we just kind of assist him and provide the resources for him to 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 get up to speed, to to say the least.
5: We'll go back to Hans Olsen.
8: Coach, I'm always curious what a D-line coach thinks about the quarterback they're trying to rush and the running backs that they're trying to stop. What are you? What are your thoughts on the quarterbacks across the ball from you, and and your thoughts on trying to stop up a couple of these transfer running backs as well? <laughs> uh, just just playing sound and assignment football. Um, making sure that our guys are where they need to be. Uh, there's there's obviously you're going to face a, a lot of dynamic running backs, a lot of dynamic uh, quarterbacks that have a lot of weapons. And so what you try to do is is find a, a happy medium principle. I don't know if that makes sense, but a happy medium principle where you know that your guys will always be in position to be able to make a play. And so, you know, keep the ball in front of you, stay in the middle, containment, cutback lane, you know, be in the cutback lanes. And so you try to find those even keel principles that will keep your guys in in the best position to be able to make a play and not jeopardize them by kind of saying, hey, you know, it's all or nothing type of play. So it's finding those even keel principles, teach it to them and rep it over and over to, to, to put them in the best position to make a play.
0: That was Sioni Puha getting us up to date on Utah's defensive line. It's always good. So many guys in the NFL expected to be good again. Coming up next, we're going to listen to Joe Ingles. We have him on Thursdays. He will recap the howling experiences with the plane, and we know what that went through. And also, he's got some stuff to raise money for autism. You need to hear that for sure. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
5: (laughs)
0: Welcome on in, man. Thanks for joining us. DJ and PK. DJ's off on PK. Every Thursday, we talk to Joe Ingles. He was kind enough to join us late night, but yet he's still up early the next morning, and he's talking a couple things you need to listen to. Uh, The autism awareness that they're having throughout the entire month, raising money to help families in need with autistic children. We know that can get very expensive. They're having an auction. They're auctioning auctioning off items. Each day throughout this month, you go on Joe's Twitter, his wife Renee Ingalls, their Twitter. They'll have a website there that they'll link to, and also the social media with Instagram. And you can bid on items and follow the link. They're going to have some cool stuff there. Here's Joe Ingalls talking about all those things right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone Joel's joining us. Joe, today is your lucky day. DJ's
9: out. You get PK solo. How lucky are you? Oh, when Jake told me that, just then on the phone, I was about to hang up and just not bother doing it.
0: <laughs> so, you can hurt me, sticks and stones, buddy, but I know deep down you care. <laughs> so,
9: I uh... care a little bit about <laughs> the show, not about you. <laughs> I do it well, we for the can't. listeners. I do yeah, it for absolutely. the
0: people. <laughs> you are a man of the people. Uh, I saw you tweeted out something about, speaking of man of the people, can you tell us what you got going with this uh, family charity auction that's going to raise funds for the autism awareness?
9: Yeah. Um, I'm glad you asked because I was going to force you to uh, ask me regardless. <laughs> uh, um Yeah, it's pretty, obviously, with Jacob's situation and and what we've kind of dealt with, and I guess understanding the financial burden, obviously, a very lucky spot, not for us, but for for a lot of families, and um, obviously being Autism Awareness Month um, in April, starting today, and Autism Awareness Day tomorrow, um, which is our game day versus Chicago, I think I mean you guys. We we've tried to do something every year um, yeah. just to help other other families and and other people that need the financial support or their kid needs to get more hours of therapy or speech therapy or kind of whatever the situation is. So we're um, we're auctioning a one item every day for I don't it's probably about, I don't know how many days are in April, but thirty or thirty-one days, however many days are in April. So. Um, one new item will go up every day which myself, Renee and, and a few other people will post on our social media. Um, there's some some pretty cool stuff um, I don't want to kind of give it all away but um, there is some kind of like jerseys, shoes, things like that um, some Zoom Q&As and things like that which is um, a bit more of a personal touch to sit there with Renee and I or, or other people um, that will come up in the next few days but yeah, well, one item per day for, for 30 days. Um, they stay live um, for a few days, so you'll everyone will have a chance over the next five, ten days to, to bid on different items that they would hopefully like. Um, we've got some pretty cool stuff from the Jazz that they've donated, some Ryan Smith. Um, people all over the a, a very, very good uh, NFL player with a, a signed jersey, which is... Um, I didn't realize how big time this guy is, but he's reasonably big time. So, um, yeah, just a lot of different stuff. And then then all the proceeds are getting split between um, funding some, like I said, therapy and and hours and stuff here in Utah, and then the charity that we work with in Australia. So... Renee's social media. I know you've only got like 26 followers, but you can retweet some (laughs) of the cool things. Um, We had a pretty cool text yesterday from someone that will get announced, which is just donating out of their pocket um, a very, very large sum, which is probably the sum that I thought we'd get for the month, but they've donated it themselves. So, um, yeah, some really cool things. Um, If there's anyone listening that knows anyone that wants to – throw a donation out, I'll happily take it. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's going to be cool. And like I said, it's just obviously something that we're super passionate about. We, we want to be able to help some families. We, we get kind of reached out to a lot about um, situations that people are going through or um, through where Jacob goes. You, you talk to families and, and you can listen in their, their stories and their voice, how, how, how much they're struggling. So, um, anything we can do, if there's, like I said, anyone out there that wants to help out in any way, um, we'd be more than happy to, uh, to try and figure something out. So, yeah, it'll be, be exciting.
0: So the way it works is that they can find all this stuff on social media. Is there a website? how does it work for them to bid on these particular items to have an opportunity and obviously the proceeds going towards the autism. So can you explain specific- specifically what the people who want to be a part of it and want to bid on them what they need to do?
9: For sure, yeah so it will be um, a link, uh, a link to a website that we will post every day, uh, which will obviously, The link that we post every day will go to that specific item of the day. But then on that page as well, you can um, see every other item as well. So if you go on on Saturday, there will be two or three items um, as well as the one that we post that day. So go to the link um, that I'll I'll tweet out every day, um, which will be a little bit annoying because I don't like tweeting every day. But it's, for like I said, great cause. I'll post it on my Instagram. I'll post it on my twitter um likewise with renee and you can go to the link and then you can um you can obviously bid on the item so there'll be there will be a starting price with everyone that we okay. hope is reasonable um again we're not trying to like break people's banks but we are obviously trying to raise money as well so um if you can afford to uh, to, to bid on some things um it's obviously funny with the pandemic we're going through we're we're trying to raise money so we understand people are in some some people are in tough situations well with that so anyone that can bid um will be be happy to help and um if things get bidded on that people want more of or anything like that when we find out how many bids are going on we can always add different things as well it's it's our auction so we can do whatever we want with it so yeah um yeah, there'll be a, a link to a website every day um and we'll make sure that gets posted on everyone's social media so that it's very easy to get to
0: sure okay and joe engels uh, twitter handle is at joe Ingalls seven and his wife is uh, at renee Ingalls. R-E-N-A-E, Ingles, I-N-G-L-E-S, obviously. So look for that in the coming month. We're just getting started here with April, and so we've got 30 days, and you can bid, and the money and the proceeds will go to a phenomenal cause.
9: Yeah, first one will be out today. Um, After I go in and test and get my day started, we'll, uh, we'll send the first one out soon. Yeah, cool.
0: Look forward to doing that and seeing how much money you can raise and obviously a cause that is uh, dear to Joe's heart and for a lot of people. I mean, all of us, I think, have uh, are touched by it one way or another. I've got a good friend whose son is like 14 years old, has not spoken a word in his life and uh, has autism, So, and he's going through all that stuff. And you talk about the yep. finances. I've been aware of that because he's told me about all the stuff and all, all the stuff that, that needs to be done, and it can get pricey. So it's a great cause. Help out, and you can get some uh, items and some opportunities to do some other stuff here throughout the rest of the month. So look forward to that on Joe Ingles' Twitter and social media and, and bid as appropriate. And I'm sure they have some cool stuff. I know the Jazz will donate some so good very stuff. Very cool and, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get to some specific basketball uh how scary was it with that flight for you
9: uh, um i mean i laugh at the start there but more from uh i don't want to say that i'm kind of just happy to be here but it was for a, a, a good i don't know how long it was in real time but it felt like a long time um i mean it was it was scary um i've I've talked about it now with a few of the guys like I I mean I've played professionally since I was 17 and I mean playing professionally you can probably think about how many times I've flown um, in that time and national team and going home every summer and, and everything and obviously the NBA schedule how, how often we get on a plane and um, oh, I've never been through something like that um, I think I don't want to say it got downplayed played in the media but it wasn't like we hit a little bit of turbulence and had to go on an emergency landing. There was there was people from the back of the plane saw the engine blow up, flames, everything like that. Um, I sit right over the left wing, which is the engine that blew. Um, there was pieces flying off the engine. You could see, I think some people posted, there was a big chunk kind of hanging off the the inside of the engine, which we saw fly off. Um we didn't see the damage on the inside, I guess, until we kind of landed. Um, I mean, the plane was tilted to the left, obviously, with with the left engine being gone. Um, And I think that, I mean, for me, the scariest part, like looking out the window, um, was, I mean, everyone knows how big an engine is on the side of that kind of left wing, and it literally looked like the engine was kind of hanging on by a thread. Like, it looked like at any point... um, the engine was just going to kind of fly off the wing and I mean, disconnect. I don't want to think about what, what that does to a, uh, to a plane if it, if it flies off, but it was, I mean, I, I was texting Renee trying to hope that we had Wi Fi at the time. We, we usually have Wi Fi on the plane, but I don't think we were high enough at that point, but yeah, it started off with a massive, like loud bang. Um, again, which I've, I've never heard in my life on a plane, um, which kind of shocked us all. And then, yeah, like, like I said, I mean, on, like I... On my kid's life, like I, I, for a good few minutes there, was like, we're, we're going down. Like there's... I don't know if there's an option we... Stand. Maybe that's a part of me, obviously, again, not, not being in a situation like that before, but... Um, uh, I think everyone on the plane at some point for, for some amount of time was um, praying or, or whatever they were doing, hoping that we were going to stay a flight. It was, it was pretty scary. And then I think after, again, I don't know the timeline of it because it felt like forever, but the, the pilot came over eventually and, and kind of explained what happened. And him being as calm as he was was a little bit annoying because we were, we were all... Um, <laughs> Crap in our Dax but everyone <laughs> when he, he was pretty calm and explained what happened and that we'd lost the left engine already and that we were obviously good to fly with one engine which I had no idea about um, I think kind of settled everyone down so um, yeah very very scary experience and um, I mean I hope it happens to no one ever again because it, it wasn't fun Um I mean, I got in my car when we landed and drove straight home to, to Renee and the kids, and um, was very glad I I got to go and do that because it was, um, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't kind of a laughing, joking. Um, again, it's like good. that, I, I don't think they purposely kind of played it down. But if you weren't on the plane at the time, you nobody would have kind of understood what we were feeling as a. As a team or, or staff or whatever, so um, yeah, definitely, definitely rattled, rattled the group a little bit.
0: So, how many minutes into the flight was it, and were you still able to see like the ground in Salt Lake and the Salt Lake area? Was it that close to the airport?
9: Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't long, long after we took off, which um, again, like I don't know specifics of how high we were, but we were, we were pretty close. Like we could see the ground and stuff still, which again, I don't know if that's good or bad, because we yeah. see how close we were, or if we had to land, like, where, where we were going to land if we couldn't, but they were they were dumping fuel, and um, again, I don't know the detail, you obviously can't land with the amount of fuel we had, um, I guess, for the weight of the plane or whatever, so um, yeah, we kind of took off, um, we had actually just kind of dealt our first de- uh, deal of of cards that we were playing, and um, it happened right after i think george dealt the cards and and the bang happened and we threw the cards in immediately and was like yeah freak! everyone was kind of freaking out for a minute it was it was one of those things that again you just i um, mean not if you've never been in that situ- situation or you're not a pilot that's been or or an, uh, a flight attendant or or whatever it was um so we kind of circled around I guess um I saw like a flight map we kind I guess we kind of circled around and then was obviously once the the um pilot said we were going to be okay to land and should be fine landing and everything will be okay um as the engine was blown and we were still kind of in it in the air safely um I think it settled everyone a little bit but um yeah it won't be a uh it was tough, it was tough getting on the fly- uh, plane again a couple hours later.
0: Did you, during that time, did you make any deals with God?
9: I was trying, I was trying to text, to text Renee the whole time. I, which looking back, like, I don't know if that was the best decision or not. Cause she was, we lost reception for a little bit. I was kind of texting her like, yo, something just blew up and we're about to make an emergency landing or something. I wrote and, we kind of like lost reception cause we're kind of high enough to have a little bit, but obviously it goes in and out until we get to whatever the height is to get Wi-Fi, which we are lucky enough to have on the plane. And, um, yeah, once we, once we got, uh, once we got high enough, uh, low enough, obviously the, um, Oh, once we landed, sorry, I had all these texts from, from Renee kind of freaking out about,
8: Oh yeah. Well,
9: yeah, it was just... Because I, I had enough reception to get them through to her and then it kind of died, so I couldn't reply. Like, it was just a... Like I said, it was... Once we got on the ground, I was off that thing and in my car and getting home as, as quick as I could to, to see them. So, um, like, like I said, I I hope it never happens to anyone um, because it, it... I mean, it shows you... Uh, it showed us all, I think, how scared we could get in the situation, but also... Um, yeah just a a very scary situation to be in
0: So I was thinking about this because of you being a pro at a young age and literally playing all over the planet, you have probably flown more or certainly as much as anybody on this team in terms of total miles. And, you know, you go back and forth. You haven't because of the pandemic, but since you've been with the Jazz, you've been going back and forth several times to Australia. And that's uh, thousands of miles, however, 10,000, however many miles that is. So if you say that, all that flying that you've done for all these years, you know, a good 15, 16 years, and you've never experienced anything like that, then that must have been an unbelievably terrifying experience for you personally, since you are such a veteran of flying. So I can only imagine what your heart I say,
9: like, must have been. When reason. I say I've never, never been, like, when, like, not even close to something like that, like not even, I remember one flight, I think I was flying from uh, London to Melbourne or somewhere like that and it was a long flight um, and I was kind of sitting back there with everybody and I remember we dropped like the turbulence um, or we hit a pocket of whatever it was and we dropped like however far we dropped Um, and that was, I was like 15, 16 years old and I was like man, that was really scary but we kind of like that was the only thing. Like I've been in turbulence, and that doesn't kind of yeah. worry me too much. Um, but even like even yesterday, I was saying to a few of the guys, like if we had to, if that same situation was in a typical, a more typical Utah day, a windy day, a bit of snow. Um, obviously, people that have flown know how windy it gets. Um, kind of flying into Utah, like Utah and and Denver are two places that are horrible to fly into if it's windy or snowing or raining because of um, how kind of much the plane shakes like I don't know if that engine thing the engine would have stayed on if we were if it was a bad day weather wise in Utah like that's um, again like yeah no not nothing even ever close to to what we went through not even anywhere close
0: Joe Engel show brought to you by Cypress Credit Union Uh, so Mitchell didn't get back on the plane did you think about it
9: yeah, I mean, I think I think everybody thought about it. Um, I think as soon as we we landed, a few of the guys were like, "I don't know what the NBA rules are, but can we forfeit the game?" And we were lucky enough to beat them twice. Maybe we just give them this one win and, and <laughs> don't travel and give give the guys a couple of days to, um, I guess, kind of just relax and and um, kind of realize what we just went through, um, kind of as a group. So. Um, I, I felt a lot better obviously once we got on the ground um, and then being able to get in my car and I mean even driving right after was a bit uncomfortable just what we'd gone through but once I once I got home to, to Renee and the kids and I got to, to see them and, and actually get to spend, I got to spend a few more hours at home and, and put the kids to bed and, and all that um, I was I guess a lot more comfortable and then um, kind of just hearing stories and people telling us like like there's there was flight attendants on our plane that have flown for 30 years and it's never happened to them so like how rare an occurrence it is that, that, that what happened um, but if anyone in our team or staff said I was, like wasn't comfortable going I would not I wouldn't have questioned it one bit and um, yeah I mean if, if it was me I would have hoped they wouldn't question it I think everyone everyone has things in their life that are kind of no-goes. Um, like, if something ever happened to Renee or the kids or whatever, like, I'm not, I'm not traveling. I'm not going to a game. There's no question in my mind um, with certain things that obviously take a much higher priority in my life over a basketball game. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been... Or whatever the word, mad upset whatever if we with anyone that decided to, to stay back so um, obviously his situation like we're gonna have to fly again I mean he's stated numerous times that he hates flying as it is anyway um, but yeah I mean we'll, we obviously got to get on a flight again on Sunday or Monday or something so um, we'll see how see how it goes hopefully he's he's all good and um, I'm glad we kind of got to go there and play the game and Um, get a win and and get home safely
0: So how big of a a gut check under the circumstances just playing Memphis for the third time since Friday then you factor all this stuff in and the emotional shaking of the nerves and all that I, I can't really imagine I've been in a couple of situations I've traveled a fair amount for work where I got scared but I don't know that it's to that level where you literally think you're going down, and then uh, you don't have your leading scorer, but you still find a way to win. I thought under the circumstances, that was a gut check win.
9: Oh, I was, I was very. Uh, it was, I guess, kind of one of the more proud um, wins we've. For me, anyway, like you, like you said, you throw in all the, the circumstances. Like even just, I mean, beating a team twice in a row is is hard. Like we've talked about it. When you we've had a few of those games where you play the same team like Monday, Wednesday, or, or whatever it is. So let alone on a back to back, those first two. Uh, with a like, let's not get it twisted. Like they're a, a very good. Uh, I think they're young and they're still kind of probably finding themselves a little bit of the way they play and 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 kind of what works for them. But they're they they play super hard. They're physical. Um, they obviously know, like, like, Jar's their guy and they, they, they play well together. And so winning back-to-back games is, is tough, never mind throwing at, at Cleveland, um, who obviously we, we kind of took care of fairly easily, um, but still another game. And then, and then yeah, throwing the, the plane situation and then go home. I think we end up flying out at, like, 8 o'clock at night. We got in at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, went over, had a shoot-around the next day just to kind of, just to get out there and, and not be in the room thinking about what happened and then not having Donovan. Um, again, playing the, the same team for a third time, I, I was, uh, like, I didn't say it to anyone at the time, but I, I wouldn't have been surprised if we came out slow or sluggish or, um, like you said, kind of that nerve-wracking feeling. Um, so, yeah, really, like really proud of the guys just to pull out a... a a win, but a tough win. I obviously got close there for, for the last quarter, and um, yeah, like I said, happy to happy to get that win, and then I was happy to get the hell out of there and come home.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. You know, it seemed like when you, you there was that stretch a couple of weeks back earlier uh, in March where you'd lost four or six, and the slow starts were. Uh, somewhat uh, of an issue. Well, now you talk about this one here, Bogdanovich hitting the threes early. You didn't have that slow start. Uh, Is that more of a mental thing as far as, hey, let's make sure from the opening tip we're ready to go?
9: Yeah. um, I mean, obviously we can be – and as you know, Quinn, coach, prepares us probably – just as well or better than any other coach or team in the league like we, we know exactly what we're doing going into a game we know what our our scout is we know what the team's doing the players are doing um obviously we know what we want to do on on both ends of the floor um so i think it's just that mentality like there's teams you know like memphis is one of them that they kind of like punch you first and they want to see how you react and if you don't then they're going to kind of run away. Uh, I think we saw it in the second half of one of the games. They they came out and kind of gave us one last push and got the game back, and we we're obviously able to, to settle it. But, um, yeah, I think just mentally being prepared. And obviously we uh, – I don't know how many games Donovan's missed this year, but not many um, right. at all. Maybe maybe one more, one or two or something. So I
0: think three total. Have,
9: yeah, okay. So we haven't – we haven't been out there without Donovan very often at all. It's usually been I missed a few and, and Mike missed a few. Me and him have kind of flip flopped in that starting role a little bit. So um, I've never like, I've never started a game with Mike. I don't think since we've been here. So just just figuring out um, playing with him a little bit more. Like obviously I usually I usually sub him out as the first sub and then we play a little bit together. So just figuring out. Um, different times, again, to, to kind of be aggressive where I can be, where Mike can be, um, obviously where other guys come in and, and do their thing. So um, we had to kind of figure it out on the fly a little bit with with the situation, um, which is obviously another reason why why it's a good win for us, just to, to be out. I mean, you never know what experiences or situations. It was like Mike in the bubble, he, he gets healthy, and he's playing well towards the end of the year and then um, obviously has to... The birth of his, his third son and, and misses a few games. So you figure it out on the fly and um, it's what we had to do yesterday and we were obviously able to do that um, and, and get a win.
0: So in the U.S., April Fool's, April 1st, April Fool's is a big day. Is it a, a day to pull tricks and pranks and people in Australia? You guys get into it?
9: Uh, some people do. Um, there's no tricks or fools about my auction. I hope everyone bids as much no, no, as possible no, no, no. And, and doesn't fake me on what they're going to bid because um, <laughs> I want it to be a lot of money. Um, but no, it's. Um, I think as I've got older, it kind of slows down. You don't really think about it too much. But um, I think we always, you always end up seeing something on social media or something of, of something happening. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it, it's a funny day. You can. There's usually someone that's getting tricked i hope they're not joking about us like testing this morning or anything like that (laughs) uh, (laughs) because i've just pulled up at testing and uh, if i have to drive home after this i'll be mad for no reason
0: (laughs) i don't think they did i did say earlier dj's off today we've been doing this show 19 years and i said that he had quit and found another job and so some people believed me and then i said no just april fools so he'll be back next week so you'll have both of us next week and we look forward to talking to you next week and then get on uh joe engels's uh social media and participate in some opportunities to win some cool uh buy i guess buy or donate money for some cool merchandise and things that they got going on for this autism awareness month right
9: it is yeah definitely donating i am i can obviously promise everybody i am not taking a cent of it 100% Hundred percent going to uh, to the the charities and the schools and the the places that it needs to go. So, um, like I said, I I also am very aware of the situation the world is in with the pandemic. So, um, yeah, anyone that can can afford to to throw some some bids out there would be much appreciated.
0: All right, Joe. Thanks. We know you got to go. Appreciate you coming on today, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week.
9: Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, that was Joe Engel. Seven years strong, he's been coming on. He's faithful, he's a good player, good dude. We sure appreciate that. Coming up next, we got what's trending. The night in the NBA, the Bulls coming into town to play the Jazz, Major League Baseball. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280, The Zone.